You're listening to the ROE, episode eight. to Rico on Everything. I am your host, Rico. Today we're visiting again with special guest Ted. He has uh, quite a, an array of topics to talk about. However, what I want to do is I want to visit the Money Matters podcast that we shot a few weeks back, where he basically was talking about money matters and college savings and everything. And we had one viewer by the name of Linda who had a question. So, we'll get to the question here in a second. First, let's say hi to Ted. How you doing, Ted? Hey, doing great. How you doing, Rico? I'm doing great. You know how I'm doing. <laughs> so, Linda asked a very uh, important question. She said, I understand that you were talking about what is it that you want. I understand that you basically have to explain to somebody what kind of bait is used for to catch what fish. Now, my goal is I want to put aside money for my kids so that they can go to college. So Linda happens to be a single mom living in Texas, and she her goal is to put aside a certain amount of money every month so that her kids could have a decent college savings plan. So aside from going towards just throwing money to a savings account, or just getting a CD or IRA or something like that, what would you recommend for Linda to do? Well, there's several things Linda could do, and it will start and depend on uh, what her resources are, meaning mm -hmm. currently you know, the income that's coming in, the mm -hmm. time that she has. Um, she'll be able to work on what we were going to talk about next, which was one of our best friends, Mr. Google. Mr. Google. <laughs> so a little bit more about Linda. She's a single mom. She has a steady income. She's pulling in a decent amount of money so she can put aside like $500 to $1,000. She has two boys, one eight, one three. So she has about a like a 12-year, I'm sorry, no, like a 10-year time span for her oldest and then about, I would say, a 15-year time span for her youngest for a college savings plan. So what would you recommend? Or what would you recommend that she Google? Because a lot of us want to ask questions to Google, to Mr. Google. But when we actually sit there and look at the blank screen, the only thing that comes up is, oh, what's what's in store for the next season of Game of Thrones? You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> We have so much information at our fingertips, we don't actually know what to Google or what to type in Google sometimes to get the right answers. So what would you recommend that she look into for a good college savings plan? Well, one of the ways that uh, the government website, uh, I believe it's education.com, and I'll have to double check on that, but they do have information about the uh, 529 plans which also individual states have uh, information about 
the plans within each state where the parent will put in um, it's almost like a prepayment plan okay. and so that way by the time the child is uh, of college age uh, the tuition will be uh, covered at that point uh, All right. I do not know offhand if it covers everything including room board uh, books tuition I believe it does uh, but I'm sure there's going to be differences uh, as you go to each state. So therefore, it would be best to go to that individual website mm -hmm. to, uh, to look up. So you could Google 529 plans. 529 plans. Yes, that is one way to go. Uh, the other part, too, is also talking with other parents who are currently uh, have their kids getting ready to go to college how did they uh, save or uh, what did they do in order to um, have the financial resources to get them uh, into school mm -hmm. the other thing is of course also looking up for grant scholarships and um, and just trying to be as well informed and prepared as possible ahead of time okay yeah definitely uh, check out the FAFSA websites as well and you know see what you're eligible for and everything and just as you said I think you hit you know the nail on the head <laughs> with the hammer and definitely every state is different every state is different so just understand that the way that states do their business whether it's state taxes college savings plans scholarships and grants, the way that they're instituted, the way that they're brought out by every state. So, And also another um, uh, possibility, I, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later on, that was the uh, real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, because some people, because uh, it just depends on how creative you get, mm -hmm. because really it just comes down to uh, the money. So for example, I know people who have um, purchased properties mm -hmm. and uh, set those properties up as rental properties mm -hmm. and the income that was being generated was actually going to go to pay for the kids college fund. So then it didn't matter where the, um, where the child decided to go to college. Mm -hmm. or also to if they chose not to go to college or at least right away so uh, it didn't matter whether it was a public school or a private school the other thing that that flexibility gave them was the um, two things number one uh, at a certain point they actually had the child start um, helping to manage the property to understand what it takes to earn money right and have that come in the work that is involved um, plus it gave them an opportunity to help their kids learn lessons even if they failed uh, or made mistakes it wasn't um, uh, something that they couldn't recover from it mm -hmm. wasn't detrimental to their uh, fiscal uh, life 
the other thing too was uh, after they finished school, they would still have the property. So, or they could decide at a certain point if they wanted to sell it. So it was just treated as an asset that mm -hmm. would basically bring in money uh, and that would pay for whatever they needed. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, that's really good advice. Uh, I have seen reality shows and everything where people do that. Uh, they've given their children properties and everything and had them manage it. And you know, the shows made it seem like it worked out really well and it's a really simple thing to do. But in reality, we all know that uh, trial and error sometimes ends up being a little bit more costly than just let's see how they do. So, but right. But the nice part is, though, it actually gives the kids a, uh, a chance to start off um, younger. And also, for example, everybody's going to learn to make those mistakes. But it's it's nice if you can actually learn from those mistakes at, let's say, 18, 16, 17, or early 20s compared to a lot of people who wait until either you know early 30s or even 50s mm -hmm. when they start looking and trying to understand it as not something that you are just going to live in but truly an asset that is generating money which is of a little bit different mindset than just hey I'm living here and I'll sell it off in 20 or 30 years when I'm done with it yeah that's uh, that would be ideal Yes. <laughs> doesn't always work out like that, but yeah, definitely ideal. One of the good things that I've seen recently in the last few years was all of the foreclosures and everything that went down on houses uh, over the last decade, I would say, have kind of lowered the bar for people to be able to buy properties, really amazing properties for a very low price. And I think that that has worked out to the advantage of the younger consumer looking to buy a house in their 20s or their early 30s. So how would you say that the market will be in the next few years? Do you think it will, that will be still remain constant where you can find properties at a low value? Or you think because of this sudden boom of markets opening up that it's in the next few years, if you didn't get into the market in now, you're probably going to have a harder time finding a more expensive house. I'm sorry, a cheaper house for more property. The mentors and the people who I've been working with as far as following the, uh, the market and the market uh, trends, especially for real estate. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years when you said that the housing prices are better, uh, granted, it is better, but what you really have to look at is what is the lending rate that you can actually um, get. So with the low percentage rates that you can get for money, mm -hmm. I mean, now is the best time. Mm -hmm. So, but that also uh, means that person has a good job, that the banks are willing to lend. Right. And some of that uncertainty has already... Um, uh, as far as the government regulations has already kind of settled out. However, there's still kind of this tug of war between, um, hey, we're going to lend out money, but they aren't lending it out like they used to. 
and part of the reason is the people that they were giving it to before uh, and the numbers that they were giving it out at that's what caused a lot of the issues that uh, we currently saw especially beginning in uh, 2008 so has the market started to rebound in some degrees yes um, can you purchase like southern Florida um, uh, where is it uh, like the um, sorry names uh, Miami area uh, north of Miami but uh, Fort Lauderdale in between Miami and Boca basically okay. yes you could back around 2009 uh, 10 you could purchase homes for um, Thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars that previously had been selling for a hundred and twenty and and more. Right. Uh, are a lot of those deals out there now? No. Uh, the reason being is quite simply you also had a lot of foreign investors. Mm -hmm. You also had uh, there was a lot of capital that was being moved from the stock market into the real estate like there are a lot of major hedge fund players now mm -hmm. that are just buying up large chunks of um, properties mm -hmm. and and they're willing to pay what the current market value is which is kind of so you kind of have another some people would say another bubble that's right. actually uh, building but are there deals out there and that's that's goes back to our very first uh, podcast and that was about education so really what it comes down to is understanding when is a good deal a good deal mm -hmm. does it matter if you're gonna pay let's say ten thousand dollars but it's you know the you're only gonna make let's say it's worth um, 15 so you're only gonna make five on it right. or if you're gonna pay a hundred and fifty but it's worth 175 now you potentially could make 25,000 mm -hmm. so everybody wants it you know that uh that grand slam deal of yeah, yeah bought it for 10,000 but you know I sold it for 150,000 dollars <laughs> yeah that would be nice right. everybody definitely wants that yeah everybody wants that but those are the ones that are difficult to find and yeah. those guys who are the professional investors um, doesn't matter whether they uh, flip houses or they flip paper or they are builders or um, or just um, specialize in foreclosures or HUD homes mm -hmm. yeah they'll they'll tell you everybody loves and those make great stories mm -hmm. but the bottom line like you said before with the um, uh, with the real estate or uh, learning the lessons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not everything is a success story. So that's the other part too, is is knowing what's your, uh, what's your game plan. So do you have a, are you looking to just do like X amount of turnover, mm -hmm. let's say a month or a year, so whether it's buy one house, buy two houses or land or, um, or notes right so you can make money 
It just it might not be that huge amount in the one shot deal, similar to the stock market. Right. Everybody, you know, now says, "I wish I had bought Microsoft back in the day." Yeah, of course. <laughs> Apple, um, Yahoo, Tricerus Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, that's not. Um, even those guys will say, "Hey, I either got lucky at times." Mm-hmm. or uh, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. So once again, it goes back to, do you understand the numbers? When is a good deal a good deal? Mm-hmm. And can you make it work? Wow. Yeah, that's uh, definitely things to consider. Talking about real estate and selling a house, buying a house, if you do a short sale, how mm-hmm. does that affect your credit? Short sale affects your credit from the standpoint that quite a few of the banks, because in a nutshell, here's what's happening. Banks consider a short sale selling the property for anything less than is owed. Mm -hmm. So even if the current market value, let's say you bought it at 270, current market value is 150. So now there's a difference of 120. So because of that, the bank doesn't care that it's only worth 150 right now. So what they were going to want to do mm-hmm. is uh, is they want you to also feel some pain as well if they're going to have to um, uh, take a loss. And their way of doing that is having the person... Um, for some banks uh, default and not until they are like six months in the rears then they will actually start to work with uh, that person as far as um, because at that point your credits basically um, tanked it's tanking yep it's taking a hit because of the short sale correct well no it's taking a hit because you haven't paid your mortgage oh okay that's why it's taking a hit. So on your credit report, it shows that you are behind in your mortgage. Okay. Because it's a default. So, or sorry, it hasn't gone into default yet, but what it's showing is that kind of like if you don't pay your credit card mm-hmm. after 30 days, you know, you get a ding on your credit. Okay. Report. But with your mortgage, oftentimes because it's a larger number, so right. it can also it basically weighs heavier on your credit. Okay, so definitely check your credit score because credit might take a hit. Oh, it will sales. take a hit. Okay, if depending on how you have it, the bank that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. because there are certain um, I, I don't want to just say groups. But so, for example, uh, people who are forced to sell their house right. because, let's say, they have to move because of a job, mm-hmm. um, or especially if they were like in the uh, military, for example, then uh, there are rules on the books which a lot of the banks will help and assist where they will not necessarily require you to actually. Uh, go into default so you continue to pay your mortgage right until 
you actually sell the property. Okay. And then therefore it doesn't it doesn't affect your credit. I see. As if you had just completely stopped paying. Oh. Okay. Makes sense. Cool. So, what is a good interest rate? If I have a good credit score, what is a good interest rate that I should be looking at for a loan on, let's say, a $250,000 house? What am I looking at? Like a 3.5? <laughs> best like, interest rate would be zero. Yeah, the best interest rate <laughs> would definitely be zero. Yeah. But we don't live in that kind of world. <laughs> what would you say? Would you say... Like because if, if I get an offer for a 3.5 interest rate, I don't really know how that affects me. Like, if that is that good? Is that bad? So really what your question is, um, and what you should be asking is, what strings are attached? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes you'll see these great promotional rates, like a lot of people did out in California. Right. Hey, when interest rates were 7, 8, 9%, right. hey, just... We'll give it to you for uh, two, 3% for five years. Uh -huh. It's on an arm, adjustable rate mortgage. Okay. Um, and a lot of people figure that, hey, either A, I will sell, or I will just refinance to a 30-year fixed rate mortgage mm -hmm. uh, in that time period. And I'll still be able to afford it. I see. But... Uh, it really depends on what the person can actually um, afford. Mm -hmm. And because I'm sure you heard the term, people could be uh, house rich but cash poor. Mm -hmm. So we're barely able to afford the mortgage, mm -hmm. but can't even afford to you know, fill it with furniture. Right. Um, you know, we got a big, great house, but... The other thing, too, is uh, also looking at the maintenance of the house, upkeep, property taxes, which a lot of people don't figure in right? as well. That's where people get themselves into trouble. Mm. Okay. Oh, yeah. A lot of great advice. So what do we want to do? We want to do a five-part series with Ted where we're going to cover the rest of the topics, and those are family, Health. Health. Wealth. Wealth. And job and career. And job and career. The job and career is one. So it's actually four. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. So it's family, health, wealth, job, and career. So, Louis, look forward to hearing these topics, hearing these podcasts coming up. If you have questions for Ted, definitely voice them. Thank you for Linda for... Thank you, Linda, for asking the question that you asked. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, keep listening to Rico on Everything. I'd like to thank Rico for putting us on and also uh, working to bring some great information out to, uh, out to the masses. My pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by Buffalo Industries.